You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Hi everyone, Paul here, and just a quick message from me to let you know that if you are looking to improve the performance of your team, no matter whether it is a work, sporting, or community one, then we've developed some tools to help. On the website, you will find our Thriving Teams Diagnostic, which uses insights from the more than 200 great coaches we have interviewed to challenge you with a series of questions to help you understand how your team is performing. It's free and only takes a few minutes to complete. If you'd like to know more, you can check out our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Great Coaches Podcast, where we believe that there is no algorithm for leadership, and so we interview great sports coaches from around the world to try and find ideas to help all of us lead our families, our colleagues, and our teams better. Our great coach on this episode is Becky Burley. Becky is an American soccer coach who has just retired after leading the University of Florida Gators for 26 years. She was the inaugural coach in 1994 and went on to win the NCAA title in 1998. She retired with a winning percentage of 75 and ranks second in total number of all-time wins amongst Division I coaches. In her time at Florida, she also led the team to 14 SEC championships. With her colleague Brad Ledbetter, she also runs the very successful What Drives Winning conferences that bring together great coaches from all over the world. Some of the key highlights from the interview for me were her belief that there is no task that is so important or critical that should stop you from bringing your best energy to the team. Her view on the importance of courage as a coach, that the way you treat people is more important than the tactics you employ, and the story she shares about how she controls her emotions during a game, which I think has great applicability in the workplace. We were very lucky to get this interview with Becky, and I hope you enjoy it as much as we did. And just before we go to the interview, today's podcast 
is brought to you by the Macquarie University Business School's MBA program. Designed to empower, challenge and transform, the Macquarie MBA gives you the business skills and knowledge you need to succeed in an evolving global economy. The program bridges the gap between theory and real-world application, bringing together world-leading professors, executives, and industry partners to teach you how business can be used for good. I have just started working with the team at Macquarie on some projects and can attest to the quality of the people and material. To find out more, search for Macquarie University Business School's MBA. And now, please enjoy our interview with Becky Burley. You're listening to The Great Coaches Podcast. Becky Burley, good afternoon, my time. Good morning, your time. And welcome to The Great Coaches Podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I'm thrilled to be talking to you. Last thing on a Friday before the weekend starts, Becky. Perfect. Can I ask you something really simple to kick us off? Where are you in the world and what have you been doing so far today? Oh, well, where I am in the world is Gainesville, Florida, which is where the University of Florida is. And this morning I got up, had a great cup of coffee, took my dogs for a walk and came to my office. Right. We've got you fresh from walking the dogs. That's great. You'll have lots of energy to talk to us, all things coaching, but also about the amazing What Drives Winning website and conference that you've set up. So we're going to get into all of that today. Becky, could I start by name checking some of the great coaches that you've that I've been able to find that you've had experience with Joe Pereira, Brenda Fries, who we've interviewed on the show, Clive Charles, Anson Durant, Billy Donovan. And then there are so many great coaches that have been filmed or on YouTube with your What Drives Winning conferences. So I'm wondering from this up close and personal experience that you've had, what do you think the great coaches do differently that sets them apart? Start off with the hard hitters. (laughs) I love it. I will tell you this. Having an opportunity to work through what drives winning and getting to, like you said, kind of see some of these coaches up close and personal, that is like a PhD that you can't buy. It's been amazing. And I think it's really helped me when I was still coaching to try and take some of their best practices. But I really feel like the best ones, they understand that the people are more important than the tactics. And I think that everyone understands like having a strong process. There's no question. You can't even argue that that's not important. But I think when you peel back the layers, what usually occurs for success or breakdowns is the human related issues. Well, I want to, you just mentioned that you're not coaching anymore. I know you've just retired, but I I have this theory that great coaches never really stop coaching. So, (laughs) but I'd like to go all the way back to your start actually with the Gators at the University of Florida. You got there in 94 And in 98, the team win the NCAA title. Now, when other coaches talk to you about setting up new teams, beginning from scratch, what advice do you tell them? First of all, I would say there's some luck involved. And I definitely had that. We had a few just really fortuitous things that happened that brought some great players our way. But I think the biggest thing I would say is don't put a ceiling on yourself. Don't limit yourself. Don't think, well, I'm a new program, so I can't achieve X, Y, and Z. I think it's, you never know where things can go and you never know when those breaks are going to occur. It could happen at the beginning of your career, the middle of your career, end of your career, never. But I think not putting a ceiling on yourself is really helpful. Is that something that you've actually done in your career? Put a ceiling on yourself? 
No, I think I was just so naive as a young coach that I didn't. Like when I was coaching before Florida, I was a head coach at Barry College and I was 21. And honestly, I, I just didn't know any better. I mean, I was in recruits that were looking at North Carolina and Stanford and some of these big programs just because I didn't know I wasn't supposed to be recruiting those kids at Barry College. And then I think when I got to Florida, I just felt like my first thought was, man, this is awesome. I'm at Florida. And then my second thought was like, I'm at Florida. <laughs> like I have to really step it up. Sometimes we limit ourselves. And I think because I was so young, I probably didn't have that filter to do that. Becky, I've heard you talk on multiple occasions and in written uh, articles about, and this is your words, actually, the immense value that can come from conflict. And I'm really curious to ask you, why do you believe this? Well, in my experience, I think over the course of years and years of coaching, I think some of the best relationships I have are with some of the people who had the most conflict on our team. And I think probably that's because we're having to have some hard conversations. I think probably it's because we're kind of having to get into vulnerable spaces, which definitely accelerates your relationship. What about an example of where you've managed your way through conflict well, and then come out the better side with a better relationship and or performance? Well, I can remember specifically, there was an example of a player that was really frustrated. She was a rising senior and her role was sort of declining on our team. And, and she came in and she was just, you know, livid. She was just sort of unloading all of that anxiety onto me. And you could easily take that very personally as a coach. And that could probably did your relationship if you took that personally. But I tried to think about like, man, if I'm in her shoes and I'm a rising senior and I see my role declining and that's going to be really tough to swallow. Like, how can I see it from her point of view? And ironic, I'm going to, this is not planned, but always on my desk, every job I've ever had, I keep a little thing of Q-tips. And the reason I do that is because I feel like it just is a good reminder for me, quit taking it personally. And so I've always had that. I have it here on my desk right now. And it's just, I think that compartmentalization for me probably helped create some longevity in my career, but most importantly, preserve some relationships that if I had taken things personally, I might not have been able to overcome. Now, can it be taught not to take things personally? I think so. I mean, I think it's just reframing it and seeing it from a different point of view, because I think when we take things personally, we just see it from our point of view. Like we're like, man, what she's saying is hurting my feelings instead of, like what she's saying is coming from her place of hurt and how do I help her and partner with her to solve that? It's an interesting idea. Was there a, a moment or it sounds like it's a well-developed philosophy for you. How did you build up to it? That's a really good question. I think I have found myself in the middle my whole life. I have two brothers. So, you know, you're always going to be in the middle of that. Even in other situations with friends and family, I just feel like I've always been sort of this mediator person for some reason. Maybe that's the part of it that helped me was always being able to see both sides. And I am a Libra. We're so balanced. Becky, I have another quote here from you, and it, it quite intrigued me, actually. And I'll, I'll read you the quote, and I'll explain why it intrigued me. You say, I think burnout is when we stop wanting to learn. Now, what fascinated me about it is many people listening right now are leading teams, community, work, business, sport, whatever, where people are experiencing unprecedented levels of burnout. You know, it's part of leading to the what Bloomberg has, has called the great resignation. And I'm 
just really wondering, is it possible to ignite a desire to learn in people to then help ward off burnout? Well, I think some of that burnout and the inability to want to learn more is to do with bandwidth. And I feel like we are so busy. We fill time with so many things. And so maybe part of it is creating space for learning, but also having something compelling to learn, I think is important. And I think when it comes to businesses and things like that, it's like, what are you willing to give to people that could be something that they're interested in. And I think so often, especially if I'm the boss, maybe I give tasks to my people underneath me that are things I don't want to do. Instead of trying to sit down, align self-interest with them and figure out what their interests are and maybe share some tasks that they have some interest in because now that could stimulate the desire to grow a little bit. Talk about bandwidth and yet you've been very successful at managing a coaching career, a a media career, or definitely a business that's growing and is definitely uh, internationally recognized, particularly in the coaching space. How do you manage your bandwidth? (laughs) That's a really good question. Well, first, I think that I was blessed with a strong capacity to work. I mean, even when I was in college, I played two sports. I held I think three or four jobs at the same time. And so I, I think I'm a good manager of my time, but I also think it goes back to a little bit more of like the compartmentalization part. I don't carry work home. Maybe I do sometimes, but I think as a whole, I, I think I do a pretty good job with that. I don't need a lot to refresh. I kind of know what I need to refresh and I don't need much, but I do need some. And I recognize when I need it. And when I need it, I take it. That might be something as simple as taking the dogs for a walk, but it also might be just going to see a concert or something that checks me out of whatever my day-to-day stress is. And I think so many of us feel like, okay, well, we have so much to do. We can't take that time. And the way I've always looked at that is, If I don't bring my best energy to my team, like there's nothing more valuable. There's no task that needs to get done that's more valuable than me bringing my best energy to my team. And so I I found a way to, I guess, wrap that around in my mind that if that means me getting fresher is going to be better for my team and it means I don't get to do a task, I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Becky, there's a lot of talk lately about People use the word mental health. I'm not sure whether it's the right term or not. I'm not an expert, but they use mental health to describe the struggle they have with the anxiety that goes along with being a coach. And I'm wondering how you engage with this topic and how you talk to people about it. I think it is definitely like a wellness issue, especially in coaches, because it is so high stress, so visible, so wins and loss oriented. And it's not to say that there aren't other careers that have that. If someone loses a big sale on Wall Street, it's not going across the ticker on ESPN. That visibility, I think, adds to all of it. To me, it's like, okay, if I'm going to spend a lot of time in my office, let's say, well, I'm going to make my office a place where I want to spend time. So I'm going to decorate my office the way I want to. I'm going to surround myself with as as much as I can with my own abilities, with people that I want to be with so that when I'm at work, I'm not dreading it. I'm actually looking forward to going to work and I'm enjoying it. And I think so many people, it's like, oh, off to work today. I don't think I've ever felt that in my life. I get excited to go to work. I've worked with great people and I've found ways within work to have fun. Even if it's just a two minute conversation down the hall, that's a refresher for me. 
as opposed to needing to take a sabbatical. Like I think I can do it in little doses. Well, fun's important to you, but so is courage because you talk about it as being one of the team's key values. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering why is it so important to you as a value? I think it goes back to my history as a coach. When I was 21 as a head coach, you're just kind of like, what the heck? And then when you get to Florida and you're a young coach and you see all this success around you, I mean, it kind of takes courage to put yourself out there. And I think with us, like at Florida, for example, we talk about winning the national championship in four years, but what you're not talking about is the four years before that we were getting our ass kicked. Like we would play North Carolina every year. And I mean, I remember the first time we played them, we lost nine, nothing. And I think they just were told to stop scoring. Like it could have been worse. So like, but so many people, like if that happened, so you get this nine zero score and they're like, Oh geez, I'm not going to do that again. We just went at it again and again and again. And like every single time we started to close the gap, but you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And that to me is where the courage comes in. The other thing that you've done, which I wanted to ask you about is the alumni weekends for your ex-players so they can come along and meet the latest team. I know it's We got not, one coming up. Yeah, or well, you probably got a couple of hundred people coming, I imagine. It's just so fun. I mean, to me, one of the most rewarding parts of being a coach is just seeing everyone go through the course of their life. And I, I tell some of our players, I'm like, man, I hope you have kids just like you. <laughs> I think they know what I mean when I'm saying that. But it's just such a fun thing to see people go through the different stages of their lives, but still be connected back to something. And my college team that I played on, we are really connected. We meet every year, sometimes twice a year. And it is like my inner circle. And I would wish that for everyone because to have, for me, like a strong group of women that I can rely on for anything at any time, I don't know. You can't buy that. I don't know how you find that if you don't already have it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, I wanted to ask you a slightly different question because I imagine, you know, it's a great school. The people in your program are probably driven, ambitious. They leave the program and then they join the real world, inverted commas. I'm wondering how you've seen them use their drive and ambition positively and not let it get the better of them when they get into sort of these everyday situations. I think the thing about being on a team that people take for granted, if you're on a team your whole life, you just like, that's the water you live in. And you don't even know some of the skills that you've learned from doing that. 
But then when you go into the real world and you're interacting with people who haven't been on a team, you're kind of like, well, what is happening here? Like, why is people not sharing stuff? Or why are you not like, why is there not more camaraderie here or things like that? And so I do think that's something to learn that people may not have had the same experience you've had. But I also think it's an opportunity to bring some of that teamship into those environments. And I think in terms of like the competitiveness, I have learned that I played in like a day league tennis group. And these are people who are, they weren't college athletes or anything like that. And it wasn't like competitive to win over the top, but like celebrating like good shots and stuff. People would be looking at me like, what is wrong with her? I'm like, do we seriously not celebrate big shots here? (laughs) So like, I do think you kind of have to read the room a little bit, but at the same time, like take what's valuable in that team environment and bring it to those places that might not have experienced it yet. Well, as much as you're into team, and you do talk about it a lot, you also talk about the idea of person over the player. It's probably the most quoted phrase I found when, when I was preparing for today. So why is the person over the player so important to you? Well, that started with a player that we had here that had a lot of pressure on her because uh, not only was she a big recruit coming in, but her first weekend, she scored five goals in two games. And so the expectations just went through the roof from there. And she had a lot of challenges in dealing with those. And the best way, you know, my business partner at that, it's still Brett Ledbetter with What Drives Winning. He worked with her and she was the one who sort of came up with this concept of, I want people to watch me and see the person more so than the player. And it's like a great opportunity for her to like, if she has success, terrific. She can respond to success as a person. If she has adversity, they get to see how she responds to adversity as a person, but either way they get to see her and not just what happens on the field. Bill Bezik, who's a sports psychologist from the UK, a really big contributor to What Drives Winning, love him. He talks about it in the terms of human beings versus human doings. And I feel like sometimes athletics can become a very transactional space. You can feel like there's disposable coaches, disposable athletes. And and again, I'm sure this transfers into the business world too. How do you make people feel more valued than just for what they bring on the field or what they bring into your business? I mean, it's definitely, definitely transfers into definitely a corporate environment where you're dealing in a transactional space, particularly in markets where people change jobs regularly. And there's Mm -hmm. parts of Europe where that's definitely the case. But is there something that you can do very simply and quickly to help people feel more valued? Well, I got really good advice from a friend of mine who's now an NBA coach. And he said to me, we had a big team one year, really big team. Like it's very hard to keep that size team happy. At the beginning of the year, he said, well, if people choose to leave at the end of the year because they want to have more opportunity, they want to get more playing time, things like that, then that's okay. Like just help them find the right place for them. But if people leave at the end of the year because they feel like you didn't invest in them, then that's on you. And, and that shouldn't happen. And so what I would do in that particular year and kind of carried it over even beyond was like, if there was somebody on my team that maybe wasn't getting the rewards, which is in our world is like playing time. I would say to them in our individual meetings, I was like, so in what ways can I invest in you besides playing time? In what ways can I invest in you that I'm not already doing? And I think they at least they, they knew that I was concerned about them. And when it we did have probably four or five kids leave at the end of that year because of lack of opportunity. All of them, we helped find their new place. All of them felt like 
it wasn't a bad experience because we had their best interest at heart. Maybe it just wasn't the right fit in terms of what they wanted to get out of the experience and what we wanted to get out of the experience. Becky, in an interview last year, you were talking about a a friend who's got a 10-year-old daughter and you, this person, I can't remember the gender of the child, but they were going for a trial that was coming up and they were talking to you about it. And you said, I'm going to give you some advice. Just focus on energy, fun and collaboration. And I sort of circled it. And then later on, I read where when you talk to your team, you say, we need to, you talk to them about the importance of striving together when it comes to competitors. And I just sort of thought there's this theme that sort of snakes its way through a lot of your story. And it's around selflessness, you know, doing something for others. I think it even has driven the What Drives Winning Conference that you initially put together to share knowledge and help others. Where did this come from? I think I really learned some big lessons as a player. When I, when I was a freshman in college, I was really judgmental towards my teammates. I felt like I was a very committed person on my team. And there were people on my team who I would say were not as committed as I was. And I wasn't very interested in getting them to be more committed. I was just really more interested in pointing out the fact that they weren't committed. And obviously, that's not a very good teammate. I think I learned quickly that judgment was not the solution. And the solution was more somewhere in the gray. I was very black and white as a younger person. And then coaching, man, boy, you can't really live in the black and white as a coach. So I think that helped me understand that whole concept a little bit more. And to be fair, from a strive together process, it's like that is also a way to make you better. So it's not just about unicorns and rainbows and let's hold hands and sing songs. It is Iron sharpens iron. We talk about that all the time as far as like, how do you bring out the best in each other? And you don't do that by going half-assed against one another. You do that by pushing each other as much as possible. The question comes into how do you react to the playing time situation, which as a coach, that's the hard part. Like I am always offering judgment. Every time I make a starting lineup, every time I make a travel squad, that's a judgment. It's an opinion. And that's what I try to tell people. It's, it's, a, it's an opinion and it might not be an opinion you agree with, but it shouldn't define you because it's one person making a judgment. And so how you react to those situations, I think is where you really see someone's true character. Becky, coaches can't see the world in black and white. Can leaders in the community see it in black and white? Not in my experience. I don't know. Maybe it works for some people. And sometimes I kind of wish I was a little more black and white. But I just feel like empathy is a really important skill for me, too. And so you can't let empathy cloud your decision making because that you can take that too far. But I think you can't ignore it because if you ignore it, then there's part of you that's like, I don't know. For me personally, I feel like that moves me to just transactional. I read another quote of yours that caught my eye. In fact, I don't know whether it's your quote, but you use it a bit. Get curious, not furious. I did steal that from someone. I really need to figure out who it is because a lot of people ask me about that. Such a good quote. I used it is it. such a good quote. Becky, I used it today at work, I have to admit. So it's, <laughs> it's found its way to Romania. So thank you very much for that. But I know why it resonates with me, but why does it resonate with you so much? 
Okay, if you've spent your life working with 18 to 22 year olds, they're going to do stupid things a lot. And so being able <laughs> being able to not get emotional about those stupid things, even if they happen at two o'clock in the morning, even if they happen at a downtown bar, whatever the circumstance is, like, I think it's more just like, okay, let's talk about the why behind that. And let's deal with that. I mean, I used to always tell our players all the time, like, you can call me at any time of the night. It doesn't matter. First of all, I'm pretty good. Like when I, when you wake me up, I'm going to sound like I've been awake for hours, which I have, but we're not going to get crazy about the situation at that point. We're just going to deal with what's at hand, whatever the situation is, we're going to deal with that at hand. And maybe a day or two days later, whenever we can get some resolution, we'll talk about all the consequences that have occurred. But in that moment, I just don't find that there's too much helpfulness in getting emotional about it. Emotional control is something we all want to get better at. Is it possible to learn? Totally. I think that's just a mindfulness thing. It's like even in a game. And so this is this is not like necessarily like outward emotion, but like I try to think of myself when I watch a game. So this is going to sound a little weird, but I think about it not just like looking through my eyes watching the game, because when I do that, I can totally take the ride of the waves of whatever's happening in the game. If I look a view of me behind myself watching the game, there's just enough separation there for me to be very engaged, but also enough separation to be like, okay, what does the team need from me in this moment, as opposed to what do my emotions feel? Because sometimes those are very different things. You do that every game? I try to, I can find myself going into seeing the game through my eyes, but then I just try to remind myself, all right, step back, step back. And the step back for me means like me watching me watch the game. Oh, fascinating. Becky, I'd like to finish with one final quote and one final question. It's a really good quote. I'd like to read it to you. You say, I see my role as a coach as someone who helps the players separate their identity as a player from their identity as a person and utilize their sport for personal growth, all the while aggressively pursuing excellence. It's so powerful. And you've talked about, you've talked about the essence of this quote through the interview. But now that your time at Florida has come to an end, I don't think you've finished coaching, but you've definitely come to an end at Florida. What do you hope is the legacy that you've left there so far? Well, hopefully there's, there's way more ways to promote legacy that aren't just coaching. And I think there are, obviously you're doing that right now with what the work you're doing. If we can all remind ourselves of who are we becoming in whatever we're doing, whether it's parenting, whether it's coaching, whether it's business, because we have that opportunity every single day. And uh, Jim Lair, who also has worked extensively with What Drives Winning, he has this quote, um, who you are becoming as a result of the chase is the most important thing. I've kind of shortened it. I actually have it hanging in my office. And I have it, it's right here. Who are, who are you becoming as a result of the chase? To me, that is a question that if we can all ask ourselves that on a pretty regular basis, we're going to know if we're headed in the right direction. Because I think we all innately know when we're doing things for our own self-interest or if we're doing things for the greater good. And that greater good can coincide with our own self-interest. That's when you hit the sweet spot. But like, find ways to become a better person as you pursue things. It almost like... That separation of the identity for me, it frees me up to be even more of a competitor, even more of a hard worker, because I am not so shackled by the outcome. And if I take away the fear of the outcome, 
then I can put myself more fully into what I'm doing. But I, I think that's hard. I, I think that takes some practice. But I think you can ask that question about yourself in terms of who are you becoming as a result of the chase on a regular basis. Becky Burley, what a great interview to finish a long week here in Romania. You've got tremendous energy. You've pumped me up for the weekend. And for that, I thank you so much. Well, you had great questions. They were awesome. I mean, they got me thinking this morning, got me ready for the rest of my day. Thank you, Becky. I can't wait to share this with the broader audience. Thank you. Hi, everyone. It's Mike here. And you've been listening to the great coach, Becky Burley. Becky has terrific energy, and she was a lot of fun to interview. And I hope you found a few ideas that you can bring to your own dinner table, locker room, or boardroom table for discussion. When I listen back, the other key highlights for me, in addition to those mentioned in the intro, was Becky's view that it's okay for people to leave the team in search of better opportunities, but the people should never leave the team because you didn't invest in them some of the best relationships she has with people on the team are those where there has been the most conflict and wanting to leave a legacy of helping people become a better person as they pursue their goals. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. And just before we go, if you have any feedback, then please let us know. Just like Ben Polly who said, always tons of insights to help me at work. Thanks, Ben. The interaction with people around the world who listen gives us great energy. And so if you have any feedback or comments, then please let us know. And all the details on how to do this or just connect with us are in the show notes or on our website, thegreatcoachespodcast.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 